Hello, and welcome to a Thursday evening edition of Dating Kiki Live Presents. It's the first Thursday of the month in May. May? I mean, we're, we're, we're a third of the year down. Hopefully, people getting vaccinated and everything, all, all that. But uh, so we're here with Keeping Secrets, our uh, monthly webinar dedicated to kink and privacy. Uh, and let me throw it to... Vera is our host, and he has a first time uh, for the first time a guest lined up and a special guest, I should say, because she's been with us before. So, uh, Vera, take it away. Thanks, Ryan. Welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Vera Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dating Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps that you can take to protect yourself and your community. We will give you the information and tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. So if you're interested in participating and you're comfortable sharing, you can join us for questions like these wonderful people are doing right now. Uh, I'm your host, Vir Koto. I'm a gink, uh, sorry, I'm a geek, <laughs> a kinkster, and a privacy advocate. You can uh, check out my website at virkoto.com, email me at vir at virkoto.com, and uh, I'm on FetLife uh, as uh, virkoto, all one word. The opinions expressed in this series are my own, and this time also Jesse's. Uh, your mileage may vary. Consult your doctor if after taking my advice, and I won't speak for Jesse's advice, but after taking my advice, you have an erection that lasts for more than four hours. Today, we're doing something a little different. Normally, I talk to you all about privacy, share my thoughts on technology, and offer technical and non-technical guidance. This time, though, we're joined by a special guest, Jesse Sage. Jesse is a well-renowned sex worker, writer, blogger, and podcast host. She writes and speaks on a variety of topics around sex work and sexuality generally. And tonight we have her here to talk about a topic that I think is important, which is how the kinds of privacy concerns that we discuss on this series impact sex workers and what we may be able to learn from the sex worker community about keeping us kinksters safe. Uh, that applies for both kinksters who are just living their regular lives, but also kinksters who may be thinking about going into sex work. Uh, I'll be asking Jesse some questions, but I also want to hear from all you awesome people who are here live in the chat. Uh, Ryan is going to monitor the chat and relay the questions, but also I'll be monitoring the chat this time since I won't be talking <laughs> the entire time. And uh, I'll also be uh, looking out for your questions. But what we'll do is I'll ask, uh, I'll be talking to Jesse, and then after the, the break, We'll uh, collect some of your questions and uh, send them over to Jesse. Um, but I'll also be looking out for questions that I think are maybe necessarily more timely or um, need to be asked at a certain point. So, uh, so that's great. Welcome, uh, Jesse. Thank you. Um, I just gave uh, a whole little spiel about you, <laughs> but um, maybe you'd like to cover something maybe that I didn't uh, talk about. Uh, so uh... tell us who you are and what you're about. Yeah, so I mean, that was a pretty good introduction. I'm Jesse Sage. I'm a Pittsburgh based sex worker and I'm a writer. And I am the co founder of Peep Show 
magazine. So, um, which covers the podcast, Peep Show podcast that I run with my partner and also um, the online content at peepshowmagazine.com. So what we're trying to do there is to create like sex worker led media um, because our, you know, as a, um, as a writer and podcaster, um, I feel like sex work stories are really important and um, we can't leave uh, narratives about sex work up to um, the mainstream media. So we're kind of doing our own thing. And so I do that and I'm also, um, uh, writing a book. I guess that's the biggest thing. I'm writing a book for West Virginia University Press about my career in sex work. That's great. That's awesome. And it's it's wonderful to have such an insight uh, because it is something that I think a lot of people, I think the kink community probably has a little bit more experience with sex workers than mm-hmm. the, you know, the general population. But I think even amongst kinksters, there's uh, a bit of a, I don't want to say an invisible barrier, but maybe like a screen mesh where yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. not nece- the visibility isn't necessarily there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for p- providing that insight to us um, in- into into that world. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, so on this series, uh, I usually start off asking this question of why, right? Whatever the topic is, I say, mm-hmm. well, why do we care about this? Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? We usually the question is, you know, why should kinksters be concerned about their privacy? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to turn that around and ask you, uh, in terms of sex workers, what kind of concerns or threats do sex workers face in terms of their privacy? Oh, my gosh, so many. Um, just privacy in general, or are you just talking about, like, digital spaces? Um I'll just keep talking then. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think that um, there's obviously so many privacy concerns and sex workers are pretty well uh, versed at dealing with them. So obviously um, one of the concerns that sex workers have is uh, making sure that there's some sort of separation between themselves and um, their their regular lives and their clients. And so we often deal with that by having, you know, stage names and, um uh separating out like all of um all work that we do in our sex work careers like in uh you know with one set of um cash apps and emails and everything like that and keeping those separate from the our you know real name stuff there's also um other sorts of privacy concerns though obviously um and a lot of it has to do with um being outed as like a sex worker if we're trying to keep that separate from our families or from like other vanilla jobs we have or anything like that and so for a lot of sex workers especially Especially now, um, algorithmic um, algorithms and things like social media become a really big problem for us. So, like for example, I'm not on Facebook because the Facebook people you may know algorithms are like very famous for outing both sex workers to um, their families by um, if they have a sex worker account, for example, or an account with their sex worker name, like having those show up uh, in their families, people you may know algorithms, but also in the other direction of um, 
outing their real name accounts to their clients. And so um, those sorts of social media issues are concerns, but there's other sorts of privacy concerns as well in terms of things like um, using Airbnbs. When you go into an Airbnb, they scrape your data uh, when you're on their Wi-Fi. So people have to be very careful about that. Sex workers tend to um, scrape the metadata off of all of the pictures and selfies they take, for example, so that their location services aren't on so people can't find them. So, I mean, we navigate like like our security and our privacy um, in almost like every single move that we make. Sorry, uh, okay. I have to work on that mute. Uh, so that sounds very similar to the kinds of issues that we Kingsters uh, deal with and the kinds of issues that we talk about on the show. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a single episode we've done where we don't mention uh, algorithms, where we don't mention um, the, the kinds of connections that are being made about us online right. um, mm -hmm. between you know these trackers, um, where, we, where we don't talk about uh, surveillance capitalism right. and the ways that surveillance capitalism techniques and mechanisms uh, are designed, in fact, to out people. Um, right. Yeah. And 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 how and how extremely dangerous that can be. So it sounds like the kinds of threats uh, that sex workers face are essentially similar to those that kinksters face. Maybe a little bit more so. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say that they're similar. I think that it's uh, different when you're talking about like your livelihood. Um, so um, part of the issue with being like a sex worker is that, you know, there's no protection for sex workers, even though sex working, sex being a sex worker is a profession, you know, like we, um, sex workers often, even if they're not on, not doing work that's been criminalized, even if they're online sex workers, for example, or strippers, um, if they're outed for being a sex worker, will often lose their other jobs or, you know, there's all sorts of uh, repercussions for people finding out that you do sex work. And um, the, the, the big problem with that is often that people get stuck um, and can't find work like outside of sex work because they've been like um, identified as a sex worker and people don't want to hire sex workers. I think that the other big thing that sex workers deal with that is probably somewhat different than um, what kinksters deal with is um, is money issues. I mean we do transactions and so we deal with a lot of i mean i think this is true for um i think this is true for things like throwing kink parties when you're trying to figure out how to sell tickets for that or things like that but i mean these are our main jobs um and so uh banking discrimination is a huge issue having like accounts shut down is a big issue having funds seized when accounts are shut down so venmo paypal cash app um all of the um all of the you know uh, financial services that everybody takes for granted. Um, they're very anti-sex work. And the reason that they say that they're anti-sex work is, or the the claimed reason is because of like chargebacks, because the sex industry is a high risk industry because customers will buy a bunch of porn and then say, oh, I didn't do this and charge it all back. So that means that regardless of what our behavior is, like we get categorized as like high risk. And so um, having your bank account shut down, having all of your funds seized, like at a moment's notice, I have lots and lots of friends who've 
lost lots of money because they their accounts get shut down and they just don't get their money back. Um, and so um, having to do that when this is your main source of income, I think is a different level of um, issue, but I think it's also, um, I think it could, I, I think there are some sort of like analogs. I also think it's worth noting that um, some forms of sex work are criminalized. So um, there's a lot of security that goes into making sure that um, you're obviously not dealing with police officers or, um, you know, um, and, you know, so using particular encrypted apps or emails or things that, um, you know, protect you. Are you there? Yep, yep. Sorry, <laughs> I, I will have to figure this out. Um, so, uh, what I was saying uh, was that the uh, Obama administration, in fact, put in new banking restrictions that weren't there previously mm -hmm. to block sex work, uh, sex work, and also gambling and other things that were not illegal and aren't illegal, but. Uh, they viewed as um, less than desirable. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was an absolute change in uh, the way that uh, the way that the law has been applied, at least in the United States, mm -hmm. where now something that is legal is, is also, um, you, you know, you can't store your money, as you mentioned. Yeah. I will say that uh, I think one of the things that kinksters sometimes forget and pe or people who aren't kinksters may not realize is that kink is also primarily illegal in the United States. Mm. Um, you can't consent to, uh, to being hit. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. It is a felony. It is a felony. And uh, using an instrument um, such as a paddle or, or a whip or anything like that uh only makes it a more serious felony. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, it you know, kink is also illegal. It, it is not, um, it is not as 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 prosecuted, right? Necessarily it's not as probably as, policed, I don't think. Yeah, right. But it is still illegal, and so. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just sounds like these are very similar issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that one of the things that's important to think about is like when you say like what's going on with sex workers, I mean, it's often said that like sex workers are the canaries in the coal mine for a lot of these like issues of like technology and security. And I think that the things that, I think it's easy for people to think like, oh, those are just like sex workers, but the things that are happening to sex workers have like ripple effects for all of these other communities that I think are really important to uh, to pay attention to and to notice. So to, you know, to ignore what's happening with sex workers in terms of uh, cybersecurity and in terms of banking and in terms of banking discrimination and in terms of um, mm -hmm. vice policing, like uh, to ignore that is to kind of put blinders on and not see what's like coming for all of the other communities, all of the other um, sex communities as well. I, I completely agree. And one of the things that I think we all of us need to realize is that as as minorities, as sexual minorities, mm -hmm. whether it's as sex workers or kinksters or mm -hmm. frankly, people who were not necessarily as accepted just 15 or 20 years ago, such as, you know, gay right. folks and trans yeah. folks and non-binary folks, you know, we're, we're all in the same, we're all in the same boat. And not only that, but also that norms can change and they can go mm -hmm. backwards. Right. So something that may be acceptable one year uh, 
uh, and you said, well, I'm out because it's safe to be out. Well, you know, yeah. things, laws can, can change. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about a lot of the things you've discussed um, in terms of online, but I want to start with physical safety um, mm -hmm. for people, you know, for sex workers who are meeting clients in person. Uh, what kind of safety and privacy precautions uh, do you or other folks you know take? Um, yeah, I mean, there's like, um, most people go, or I shouldn't say that, like, uh, when possible, people do, um, you know, screen clients. Um, and we have networks among each other um, of, you know, who's dangerous and who's like not dangerous. Um, and so there's like a, there's a community and a screening that takes, or there's a screening process and like a community that kind of holds that together. Um, that we help each other out with. I think a lot of people also um, make sure that somebody, I mean, these are just basic things that I honestly think that people who are dating should do as well. Like, um, you know, when they're dating new people, but um, you know, uh, let people, somebody know where you are and when you're expected to, you know, leave. Although this is becoming like actually pretty complicated post FOSTA SESTA. And I think we should bring this up too, because, um, you know, like while prostitution in, mo in most cases is just a citation, or at least it is in Pennsylvania where I am, um, trafficking is a felony and trafficking is just defined post FOSTA SESTA as facilitating prostitution. So um, people who used to be like, like um, who, you know, drove somebody to their job and waited outside um, to make sure that they were safe and drove them home. Like that could be seen as trafficking, which is much more, um, much more of a, um, a much more serious crime than prostitution itself. And so, um, you know, the, the problem that we're having right now with the legal framework is that the things that a lot of sex workers were doing to keep themselves safer, like screening um, before they meet clients, telling people where they are, calling them and letting them know where they are and when they're gonna leave, um, um, also doing things like doubles, like going with somebody else, going with another sex worker. Um, right now, under the law, like um, two sex workers going together to a job, which, you know, makes it you know two against one a little bit safer um now those sex workers are getting can get charged with trafficking each other which is just like in, insane um so there's um there's a lot of things that like people do to protect their physical safety i mean also um you know a lot of people only like to do uh, work at their own house because, or their own in-call space or, or their own hotel room, you know, their, their turf, because then they know exactly what's there. There's nothing like surprising or hidden, um, you know, and so there's, there's a lot of different things that people do in order to keep themselves safe from like letting people know where they are to protecting the physical space to, you know, carrying a taser or mace to like all sorts of things um, that are probably good practices for, for most people entering into like intimate spaces with people, regardless of like the exchange of money. But in sex work in particular, because it's like the criminalization of it is heightening um, post-FOSTA-SESTA, all of these things have become a little more complicated and more difficult to navigate, which is actually one of the yeah. themes of FOSTA-SESTA, the, big, the biggest one, obviously. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about FOSTA-SESTA next. Uh, I do want to mention that, in fact, for kink organizers, so maybe someone who mm -hmm. wants to run a party, depending on where they live, and I'm going to primarily talk about the United States, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the state in which you reside, 
running a kink party can be uh, considered running a house of ill repute. Mm -hmm. So even even if even if your party, for example, has a no um, no penetration policy, and, mm -hmm. and that is actually quite common with kink parties, is that there mm -hmm. there's no PIV um, right. or penetration generally. Um, just the sexual titillation can be enough to where if an authority wants to take action, they mm -hmm. can claim that this is running a house of ill repute and right. shut the organizer and in fact, the attendees down. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think this points to that, that these issues that many of us, I think would like to consider entirely separate. So, well, I'm not a sex mm -hmm. worker. I'm just a, I'm just a kinkster. Or I'm right. just running a kink party. We're just hitting each other. We're not, you know, yeah. we're not facilitating mm -hmm. sex. These these affect both of us. Um, right. So we should talk yeah, a little I mean, bit I about that's, the re that's one of the reasons why it's good for, and I'm glad that you're doing this for this reason. It's good for kinksters, I think, to be aware of how sex work is criminalized because it does have an impact on how you can run parties and just to be aware of like what the laws are um, so that you know what you're getting into, I think is important. I also want to mention, since we were discussing Sesta Fasta, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I could talk about it, but I'm, I mean, that's why you're here too. <laughs> um, the, the, I think for me as a non-sex worker, mm -hmm. the thing that I think about now, look, Sesta Fasta and people can look this up are a set of uh, basically laws that were put in place and they're anti-sex work laws. Mm -hmm. um, and the ways that these laws are, are put in place also affect not just sex workers, but frankly, anyone who wants to put information up on the internet, it, it makes it so that any site can be uh, shut down under SESTA-FOSTA if content is considered to be encouraging sex work or to be facilitating sex work. And that can just be people putting in comments or using your system to message each other about, you know, right. wanting to go on a date uh, that, that, that kind of activity can be covered by SESTA-FOSTA and it has a very, uh, you as a site owner have a very limited ability to um, resist it. So, yeah. I um, mean, one of the most direct impacts was like on FetLife, I know after FOSTA-SESTA passed, nobody was allowed to do financial domination anymore. I mean, that, that was uh, forbidden on that side after that, even if it was um, a, a kink and not a, direct transaction like that was pushed off the site. Yeah, it, it's pretty scary. Mm -hmm. um, so we so you talked a little bit about the physical uh, ways that one can take precautions. So going with another person, um, having screening through word of mouth, etc. Um, but you also mentioned some electronic measures. Uh, mm -hmm. Boy, that that put that made me sound very old. <laughs> Electronic measures, um, but you know, talking about encrypted messaging, encrypted email, um, using different identities for uh, exchange of money online. Can you talk about some of the ways that sex workers currently uh, obscure their communication and financial transactions? Um. How like online sex workers do that? Yeah, or, well, I mean, or either online sex workers. Yeah, I mean either online sex workers or people who are using maybe using messaging mm -hmm. to coordinate activity, right? So I'll meet you at this time at this place. Yeah. Um, but then they're gonna do that, they're gonna do that in, in in a way that's not easily traced. 
Yeah, I mean, the most obvious way is to use like messaging apps that are encrypted, um, like Signal or uh, Sideline or something like that. Um, another thing that I think that people do is, um, you know, um, not talk about um, particular acts like sex acts. Um, you know, if people are, if clients, for example, are like, well, will I, you know, get a blowjob, like that's not a good thing to talk about on a texting app or in an email. You know? um, so, I mean, talking directly about sex acts for money obviously is something that's a bad idea to do over text or over email. Um, using money that are using language that looks like it is about um, uh, money exchange. So instead of saying like, my price is, yeah, proton mail is actually um, a good answer. I'm looking at the, yeah, using proton mail um, as your email, um, obviously not Gmail, um, if you're talking about things like that. Also, um, to talk about um, payments as things like donations or gifts or tributes, um, you know, is one way to get around that. But also, I mean, one of the things that we, especially like in online things do, if we're talking about um, people Venmoing or cash tapping us money is to, you know, kind of train our clients not to say, um, you know, to put something like dinner or yeah, um, something like very innocuous because you can't have things that look sexually suggestive in the in the memos for the transactions because those uh, transactions are also scraped. Mm -hmm. um, and if it looks like you're exchanging sex for uh, money in any way, I mean, I don't just mean directly, but also like a video or a picture or, you know, whatever you're doing. Um, so I think that there's a way in which like um, sex workers and their like clients need to learn how to have communications that are less direct. Um, and that includes like any sort of like back and forth uh, conversations, but also like direct transactions on like banking transactions need to be a little bit obscure as well. Well, that's, that was great. That's a lot of information um, for us to think about in terms of you know, just making your activity appear like the background noise, the regular everyday activity. I think that's yeah for many people, uh, that's something that they should be thinking about. For for someone like me, who's been thinking about these issues for a long time, my approach tends to be, we make, uh, you know, everything should be encrypted so that it, being encrypted doesn't seem suspicious. Mm -hmm. But in absence of that, just, you know, making traffic that looks normal, and when I say traffic, I even mean, you know, financial transactions, yeah, yeah. You know, dinner, pizza, et cetera, you know, making it just look like the normal, you uh, everyday also, activity. A lot of people don't know this, and I find it funny that people don't know this. You can also make your Venmo transactions private. You don't need to have a, um, you know, a social media style list of all of your transactions. So um, that's also possible to privatize your transactions. Um, you know, I think, um, but but even if you do that what you're saying is right. Like you want to have things innocuous. I think it's also important um, to not have 
many um, transactions that are the same amount from the same person. Um, you know, so for example, like I do phone sex and one time, you know, a client was trying to pay me through like Venmo instead of the platform and he paid for a chunk of time, but then he wanted to keep going and he wanted to pay the same amount for another chunk of time and another chunk of time. And at one point I was like, no, you can't have more time. You need to figure out like how much time you want because I can't have a $45 transaction and then another $45 one and then another $45 one. Right. Like those sorts of things right. start to look suspicious as well. So thinking about like how you, how you make transactions, what those look like, what, um, uh, how suspicious they are or not. You know, I think that, I think that sex workers just like learn to be very like, um, intentional about, about the paper trails that they leave. Uh, yeah. I mean, I do want to say in terms of Venmo or any other banking transaction, I think the word or any, or any kind of online activity, mm -hmm. when we talk about private, you know, that's also a bit of a misnomer because yeah, sure. it, it's it's like, you know, you and me, if I hand you some money, you know, mm -hmm. cash in your hand, that's a private transaction. Yeah. But when we use any kind of app like a Venmo or whoever, what I'm really doing is handing Venmo the right. money. Mm -hmm. And then I'm saying, you should give that money to Jesse. Right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Don't tell anybody that I did it. <laughs> um, which, you know, we know that that's not how right. that works. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, I, one of the things that I try to do on this series is highlight, right. uh, the, the things that these companies work really hard at making invisible, which right. is mm -hmm. mainly themselves. They make it, they try to make it like, oh, this is a private message right. or a direct message or a private transaction when it's, when it's really, you know, they're right in the center. Right. No, um, yeah. You can't make it private from the platforms and the institutions. You can only make it private from other users. And I think that uh, that is an important distinction. And the reason to do that, for me at least, is to like protect people who interact with me. Like I don't need everybody to see that, you know, <laughs> I don't need everybody to see that so-and-so is my client who's obviously giving me gas money, you know? So I think, um, I think all of the, those things are important, but what you're saying is, is, is right on, which is that like, you're not, you can't fool yourself into thinking that you're keeping it private from Venmo. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, this issue of being outed. And so mm -hmm. the, the very first, um, mini series that we did um, before this web series, um, I gave a, a series of examples of kinksters who were outed um, and talked about um, an RCMP officer in Canada, talked about, um, you know, the, the famous Iraqi, uh, you sorry, UN inspector who was op operating in, in Iraq, um, uh, Jack Mick, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now, um, but you know, just a series of, of kinksters who, who were outed and, and how devastated, um, mm -hmm. and devastating it was for their lives. And I think people may be aware of how devastating it can be for uh, people in sex work to mm -hmm. be outed, you know, especially those uh, women and primarily women who've been outed for taking part in, in pornographic films. Mm -hmm. But maybe you can speak a little bit, make that a little bit more personal about what kind of, um, what the societal implications of being outed can be. 
Uh, they're so big. I mean, it's, it's really interesting because I think that, um, I've said this, uh, many times, but at the very beginning of COVID, I remember I got like lots of people who had just like started to lose their jobs and, you know, COVID was happening and who were saying like, I think I want to get into sex work now. Like what sort of advice do you have for me? And I realized that my advice was like, if you, unless you want to go down this path and you want to stay in it for forever, I would highly recommend that you don't do this. And, you know, that sounds really uh, naysay and it's not, and it's not because I um, dislike sex work or think there's anything wrong with it. I actually, I actually really love my job. Um, but the job has like really intense, like social implications that you just can't undo. So being outed as a um, somebody who is in porn, like for example, which is what happened to to me actually when um, early on is something that like will always shape the way that people like interact with you and think about you and, um, and what your future like job prospects are. And unless you're willing to kind of like take that on, or unless you're in a space in which that's possible and you have a family around you that like will support that, it can be really like devastating in people's lives. And I don't think it should be that way, but it is that way. And like, for example, um, what happened with me, and this is one of the dangers of being an online like having a big online presence is that um, one day my husband's parents called him and said like, can you come over and have coffee with us? And he goes over and their siblings had found um, a lot of my videos and my ads and collected all of those and were sending them to my in-laws. Um, and uh, they were really upset about it. They were mostly upset that it was, you know, embarrassing to them that their siblings wouldn't stop sending naked pictures of me to them. And that's obviously not something that's great for me either. Um, but it created a lot, it created like a big family rift for a while. And I think um, you just can't um, change that. And that's true for, you know, it's true for any of the content that you have online, like you can't take that off. Um, you can't undo uh, being outed as a porn uh, performer or as a sex worker because um, it impacts your jobs and it impacts um, your, family relationships that impacts a lot of people's custody if they have split custody. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I think sex work is really good for a lot of reasons and really good for certain for people in particular who have a lot of constraints that make conventional employment really difficult. And I would count myself as one of those. Um, but I think that it's impossible to go into it without being or I think it's um, it's not impossible because a lot of people go in fairly naive, but I think um, it's ill-advised to go in without understanding that it will change your life. So I don't know. I don't think that's really a good answer to your question, but I think that, um, yeah, I just, I, I think that it does impact the way that people interact with you. And it's, I've been in this for seven years now and I recognize now how different my interactions are and how different my life is than it was mm -hmm. prior to this. I, I know. I think it's exactly the right answer. Um, the very first series we did uh, was called protecting your kink identity. And uh, I've changed the tone of these webinars to be more um, beginner friendly. Mm -hmm. But what 
you know, what I began with in that series, and for anyone who hasn't uh, seen it or heard it, I recommend you do, is is essentially basic threat modeling, which mm-hmm. is which is exactly what you're discussing, which mm-hmm. is, you know, do I have friends and family who would be accepting? Do I have right. a boss mm-hmm. that if this came out would say, well, I don't care, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that doesn't, does that impact your job? Um, you know, uh, or a family that would say, well, you know, we'll take care of you if, mm-hmm. if you're temporarily out of work or maybe right. long-term need to need to make some changes. Um, it, it talked, you know, I talked about mapping out those people, mapping out who were your allies, mm-hmm. um, who might be your quote unquote enemies, and also all the people in between, the the neutral yeah. parties, including um, websites and applications who may be, um, you, know, you think of Google as your friend, but, but wait, suddenly now I can Google your name and get mm-hmm. all kinds of information about you. Um, and so that, that can, that can turn things around. Mm-hmm. Um, in that series, one of the techniques that I briefly touched on as a way for some people and a very small number of people to address the threat of being outed mm-hmm. is to out yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. you've essentially done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. so I, I want to, I want to touch on that a little bit, yeah. which is um, you've, you know, you've talked about that you're out to, you know, the general population. You've mm-hmm. also spoken to your children about that. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can tell, uh, me and the, the <laughs> folks here about why you made that decision and why someone else may or may not want to make that same decision. Yeah. I mean, I think um, that wasn't a easy decision and it didn't happen overnight. Um, but I think that for me, um, yeah, I can, I kind of make this joke that I'm totally unblackmailable now. And that's probably true because I've already like put out into the world, anything that people could, you know, use against me. But I think that, um, you know, for me, it was um, the bigger thing that happened was that I started writing. And when, you know, it's one thing to do, um, you know, sex work kind of on the side or as a side hustle. And it's another thing to start writing about your experiences and to have that be very public. And so um, when I started doing that, um, when I started writing, I realized that, um, you know, if you do porn, uh, your porn is kind of located on porn sites. So people have to be looking for it. But, and if you do, um, you know, in-person work, your, your ads may be on websites, but you're interacting with just your clients. So it's a little bit smaller. Um, but when you start to write about your experiences in mainstream, you know, publications, then it's just a, a, a bigger thing that invites people who aren't necessarily looking for you. So I think that I had to decide at that point, you know, what I was going to do about that. And um, the decision was kind of made for me when I got asked to, uh, it wasn't made for me, I made it myself, but I should say that what happened uh, that really kind of cemented this decision for me was that I was asked to give a talk at a humanities festival and I'm a former academic. So like I do um, these sorts of like speaking events uh, fairly regularly at this point, but uh, at the time I was just kind of transitioning out of academia to talking about um, my work in sex work. And I, said sure and then i got an email from the director of the festival who was like hey um our public publicity um department is going to get in touch with you because we have a bunch of uh things going out and i didn't realize that it was like a heavily publicized event and 
that's when I decided that I was going to sit down with my kids and talk to them about the fact that, especially since it was in my city, talk to them about the fact that like they may see ads that say that I, with my picture on it, that say that I'm going to be giving a talk about sex work. And the reason they're going to see that is because I am doing sex work. And so um, that was the moment that I just decided to embrace all of it. Um, and interestingly, like right around that time, I also was laid off from my vanilla job. And so it was kind of a confluence of things where like, I didn't have as much to lose anymore because I didn't have a job and I didn't have a job outside of sex work, I should say. And so I just decided to like go all in. And when I did, that meant um, everybody in my city, people who read my articles, people at the festival, my kids, my family, like everybody at that point knew what I was doing. And um, that was pretty like rocky for a while, but it's been like five or six, five years since that now. And so now it's just who I am and what I do, but it wasn't an easy decision. Yeah. Um, the first kinkster I met, in fact, had told me a story and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention her name, but she was, she is out. Um, and how she had gone to essentially a job interview and they'd asked her, is there anything we should know? And she said, well, I, I do this, that, and the mm -hmm. other thing. Um, and they were shocked, but yeah, for her being out was as you know, for you, a means of protection. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it can be a very powerful tool, although mm -hmm. also a very scary and vulnerable one. Yeah. And, and I, I have to say, like, I actually don't regret that decision. I feel like when I did that, I kind of took, like you said, the power of the narrative, like back for myself. And it allowed me to fully dive into my work. It allowed me to be present in a way that I couldn't when I was like living a double life, which I don't really like doing. Um, and so it was, it was good. And I'm glad that I did it, but it's not, um, it's not for everybody. And I think that you need to be, um, I, I feel like I'm a bit lucky in the sense that I've been able to, um, through, through writing and through podcasting and through different things, been able to, um, express myself and my story and the decisions that I've made in ways that, um, ha have been like positive for, for me. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, looking at the time, we've been talking for a while. We're going to need to break soon. Um, before I before we do, I want to ask you one more question, and then I'll have a little spiel before I hand it over to Ryan, and then we'll sure. do questions. Um, so uh, one of the questions that I got before this event was actually from a longtime friend, who, again, mm -hmm. I will not out, but who is expressing some interest in doing sex work, uh, mm -hmm. uh, specifically uh, pro-dom work. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said to them, well, maybe, maybe you should hold off a few days before, <laughs> while, uh, uh, I do this, I, I do this interview and, mm -hmm. um, think about it. So for someone like them, um, mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts that, um, either in terms of mm -hmm. going into sex work in general, being out about it, et cetera, that you might want to share with somebody who's considering it? Um, so, so much. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it depends on where you are. I mean, where I am, there isn't any uh, dungeon. So there's no place that you could go and work. Um, but in a lot of places, like in New York, there's tons of them. So um, there are a lot of places in which you could go and kind of learn from other people about how to run like your sex work business. Um, yeah, it is hard living a double life. Um, yeah, I, um, I, to me, like, it was something like, I have done some like pro dom stuff, but um, I don't actually advertise as a, as a dom. It's just something that like happens when you're, you have a lot of clients who have different sorts of requests. So um, yeah, I, uh, I would just say, I think that the, the main thing to be concerned about is to make sure that like you pick a name that's separate from your your name that you also do some research about like make sure that you're not um stepping on somebody else's like google search that and make sure there aren't other doms with the same name um you know so that you can differentiate yourself for marketing and also just not you know piss other doms off um yeah and i think um setting up you know uh um social media, I think it's also important to, and I mean, somebody who's been in the kink community for a while probably can navigate this, but to to understand that like pro-dom work is in like a shady area um, where it's uh, not necessarily criminalized, but you have to be like careful about what you're doing. So um, so yeah, I mean, I think that just kind of looking, and, and it's also important to know that this stuff like varies by state, also like definitions of prostitution vary by state. And so just kind of getting um, a sense of uh, what's happening in the area that you're in and how to get into that is um, the biggest thing, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And that's exactly the kind of, of message uh, that I think people who are considering this work. And, and as you said, and I, um, I'm also, you know, pro, pro sex worker, but mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I just want people to consider just like they do for kink, consider what the repercussions yeah. of their actions mm -hmm. are before they take it. And, and, it's, right. and it's totally great to make an informed decision mm -hmm. of I'm going to be out. And that's and that's awesome, and that's yeah. very empowering. Um, the worst thing, and and it sounds like this, some of this happened to you, is is being outed, yeah. and then mm -hmm. having to and then having to scramble, yeah. um, because of that. And that's mm -hmm. that's the the thing that I that th I and the series try to uh, protect, which right. is making keeping that a, an individual's choice, so that they can make an informed decision about that. Right. I think I would also like ask what the motivation for that is, because, you know, then it, it moves from something that is, um, you know, uh, a fun part of your own sexuality into a job. And I think that, um, you know, just thinking about like what you're trying to get out of it and if you're trying to make it into like a full time uh, thing or if it's just, you know, for fun on the side and really thinking about how worth it the kind of money that you can get from it is like next to the um, possible consequences. Sure. Okay, so uh, we've been talking for a while. I'm gonna, we're gonna take a little break and have a word from our amazing sponsor that keeps this show going, uh, this webinar going, which is Dating Kinky. Ryan's gonna talk all about Dating Kinky and their offerings. Then we will do questions. 
uh, for you from, from our amazing live audience. And then we will talk about what we are going to do uh, next month. Also in the chat, if folks want to put some ideas for future shows, that is highly encouraged. So I would love to see uh, we, we've got we've got our schedule filled up until July, but August onward is uh, is all free. So feel free and encouraged to put your ideas in for shows and topics that you would like uh, us to go into more depth about in the future. Take it away, Ryan. And also, uh, I'll throw in uh, in a bit uh, the, the link to that will show people what shows we've done before because we. Uh, we're also returning to some of those topics for in-depth. I think next month's here is like a part two. So, you know, just to give people a baseline of what we're, what, where we've been and where, you know, where we're going. So, um, hi, my name's Ryan. I'm the, uh, the lieutenant slash Guy Friday here at uh, Dating Kinky. And uh, our esteemed leader, uh, Nookie, is, uh, she's off tonight because she's preparing for a, a weekend of camping. So I'm here uh, flying the desk Uh from uh, from DK and um, you know we're very proud proud to, to have keeping secrets be one of our um, I think it's fourteen like kind of monthly recurring shows we're putting on uh, each month and uh, you know it's, we're so proud of kind of this lineup of kink education and community that we're building and um, these episodes are all free to attend live well the the, the fine print is free free to attend live for the first five hundred people so. I think it's going to be free to attend live for at least a couple more years and, you know, world domination to follow. But, uh, yeah, so you can still enjoy that benefit for a while now. Um, but, yeah, you know, all these, like I said, all these shows are free to attend live. And uh, we we do put the, put them up in, uh, we do record them and put them up in our uh, on-demand library. And uh, that is uh, one of the benefits of our uh, Plus membership offering. So I like to call um, our Plus membership, which is kind of our unofficial sponsor of this uh, episode, it's kind of like a three, you know, uh, pronged, uh, you know, three tiers of benefits there because we are, we are a dating site, you know, uh, and, uh, we, uh, we, you know, are continuing to build our, our membership there. You know, you can sign up for a free account, you know, too. We, we welcome anybody, you know, signing up for free, you know, and with that, you can, you do all of the kind of connecting and messaging and not have to pay unlike some other sites where it's like, you know, kind of they upsell you on like, Hey, somebody just favorited you. And then if you want to see who it is or message them, that'll be nine 99, you know, sort of thing. So it's like, you can do a, you can have a thriving like uh, dating account and you know not be on the, at, in the plus tier, you know, just, just want to, you know, that, but how our plus members will get additional, uh, benefits for the dating site uh, with some of the features we're going to be rolling out later in the year. We have an app that's coming. You might have heard if you were here for the pre-show. We're going to be rolling out an app hopefully within weeks. I think we're going to be testing the app within one week or two. And I do see some of our people in chat are actually already signed up for that, um, you know, that kind of our tester submission. So um, I'll put that link in too in a bit. So uh, then, you know, so number two, we're, uh, we're an on-demand library. I mentioned that some of that with the, um, the fact that we're recording all these episodes. We have, I want to say, 225, maybe 250 episodes, like, in our library now on topics like, you know, King Privacy, like tonight. We have uh, a recurring one on Femdom. We have communication. We have submission. We have people of color and our allies. We have a book club. You know, so we're covering all the bases and, and looking for what else we can cover. And, um, you know, that, that library is going to continue to grow because we love the fact that like the, 
we're offering a place for people to meet and connect, but then we're also offering a place where they can educate themselves and make themselves a shine, shinier, brighter object for, you know, those, uh, you know, those connections. If, if, you know, if people are looking for that partner or that play partner or, you know, or just, you know, or more friends, friendship, you know, so, um, you know, so we have that going on. And then the third leg I like to say, it's, it's more of the one that's come lately and I need to get Jesse out to one of these things is we have a, live interactive like chat community here now uh called every i know jesse i've invited you like maybe one or two of those we'll have to get you one in the future where it's mm-hmm. kind of like a it's like a more structured version of like the zoom hangout where instead of like 30 people in one zoom and then it just becomes like a brady bunch like box overload it's like you come into a lobby and then there's all these like tables laid out and you can just join about like anywhere from like two to eight people at a table and you can see the people there that like uh, are your uh, maybe looking to join. So it's like if you're actually looking to meet people there, you can see them like where they are and like kind of choose your own adventure and have more agency over it than because in the quarantine, I've been doing plenty of the, um, hey, let's do all do a Zoom social. And then like, well, the three people that RSVP'd aren't here. And then I'm not, <laughs> now I'm just stuck with the other 20, you know? So anyway, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool like lounge atmosphere. And we're going to have, we have a June event coming up that's going to showcase that as well. So let me, I will kind of get us, wind us a bit down and get us back to our conversation, but uh, I'll just put, throw up the links to, uh, if anybody's interested in the Plus membership, it's currently $9.99 a month, although there are options to, uh, if you do more months, to do it for less per month, especially the one that's a year is 40% off the uh, the monthly uh, rate. So uh, there are the uh, related links, um, and I threw in the, the books and the learning, that's some of that on-demand content uh, we have. I think nine books now and that and that nookie's written with more to come so uh and like i said if you we certainly uh encourage people uh you know in a yeah a question i'm gonna brace to jesse later that in tours it loves the phrase you know pay for your porn you know uh, if you can support your your uh kid communities we encourage you to do so but uh we realize you know people at any given time might not be able to or might not be inclined to we still encourage everyone to keep coming out and you know you can be helping us out by signal boosting us, bringing your friend, you know, you know, spending time on the site, you know, you know the more connections and word of mouth we're making uh, and people are making will also redound to, you know, the benefit of us and, and everybody at large. So, uh, all right. So that's, that's, uh, that's my spiel. Thank you for listening to that. And uh, let's get on to the questions here. I have all, I have, I have a bunch of questions. Would you like to kick off? Have you been have you been jotting them down too, or uh, I haven't been jotting as many as I thought. Okay. Um, I do want to just before we start because yeah. I know that folks tend to kind of exit during uh, questions in in every event that I've ever been to. I want to just quickly plug the next uh, the next keeping secrets and then the one after that. Okay. Um, so uh, for June, um, we had an event uh, two months ago. Uh, about browsers and people asked, what web browser should I be using? So we went through all the, we went through, I don't know, 20 web browsers or something uh, and found the best ones. Uh, And then people in the chat said, well, wait, what settings should I set and what plugins should I use? So I said, that's a great question. We'll do a future episode on that. So that's coming in June. Uh, We will talk about the settings you should be setting and the plugins you should be using uh, through, that'll be browsing through browsers part two. And then in July, uh, July 1st, uh, Canada Day, 
uh, we will be talking about shopping while kinky. So considerations that you should be making if you're buying kink stuff uh, in person or online, um, thinking about how your purchases may be tracked or ways that you can uh, keep that from happening. So um, I, especially for folks um, who might be in Jesse's audience who may not be as familiar with this series, um, those are the kind of topics that we normally cover, but we've also gotten some great uh, ideas in the chat and also in direct messages to me on FET. So we'll be taking those. But Ryan, why don't you um, why yep. don't you start with the questions? Sure. And I uh, I put the link to the June event in chat for the FET Life people or the non-FET Life people who can sign up for email reminders mm -hmm. through our website. So, uh, all right. First question, AP came out firing. She had questions even before you guys kicked off. So, uh, <laughs> so her first question is, uh, what about Square and other card processors dropping businesses that are sex kink related and labeling them as high risk businesses? What about it? <laughs> I, I, I guess I, uh, AP. What? You know, any, any, uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll follows up. Um, I mean, I just think it follows the pattern of everything. Uh, you know, that's pretty like normal, and I think I mean it's not. It's pretty typical of banking institutions um, wanting to uh, protect uh, what they consider. Um, yeah, wanting to guard against high risk uh, things. I think and. I think it's really, I think it's discriminatory and I think it's problematic, but I think as uh, sex workers, as a non-protected class, there's not much that we can uh, do about that. So thank you, me, for pointing out that my mic was on while I was Googling uh, the name of the Obama um, policy that I had referenced earlier and that that AP is asking about. And uh, Jesse also mentioned um the, the project or the operation was called Operation Choke Point. It is still in effect. Uh, and it was an Obama, 2013 Obama administration policy to uh, encourage, and I put that in, in air quotes, mm -hmm. uh, banking and other institutions from working with what they considered high risk uh, businesses, high risk, but legal. So it was a major change in that, um, as far as I know, never before has something been made um, discouraged while at the same time legal. And that yeah. policy um, is eight years old now. And it, it people act like, oh, it's always been this way. But no, it, it actually has not always been this way. Um, and it doesn't need to continue to be this way. Yeah. Um, the reason that these institutions are so afraid of working um, with sex workers, um, you know, any kind of adult media or anything like that isn't that they're, you know, just afraid. It's that the government said, if we think you're involved with this, we may shut you down. Mm -hmm. And their reaction to that is, well, we don't want to take risks of being shut down. And that's an entirely reasonable mm -hmm. position for them to take. Um, and so I, you know, look, I'm, I'm all about, um, calling out bad actors in the space. And that can often mean large companies and institutions right. like banks. In this case, um, I think that if someone threatens you that they will shut you down, you, you know, it is a normal reaction to say, well, I guess we won't do the thing that might get us shut down. Mm -hmm. um, so um, this is an area where for Americans, if you don't like that, um, this should be something that you talk to your politicians 
mm-hmm. and get changed from the top. Mm-hmm. You're rolling right into my next question. This is, this is, I mean, you get like infinity points for a segue here. So I, I was going to ask uh, to Jesse, uh, in addition to paying for your porn, which I'm considering like the free space on the bingo card of like being an ally. Um, <laughs> Uh, like, what is we, the kinky people at large, how, what can we do to be a better ally to sex workers and the overall kink community, you know, per this conversation? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think that the go-to answer people always give is to, like, pay for sex worker services, be it porn or anything else. Um, and, but I also think that, like like being aware of what's going on with sex workers, um, like coming to things like this is important. I think that amplifying sex worker voices, because one of the things that we didn't talk about is how intense uh, sex workers are deplatformed and shadow banned. Um, so there's a way in which like we are intensely like, um, uh, surveilled obviously um and that um what that means though is that uh sex workers um talking to each other about things like fosta sesta or about things like choke point or any of these things um is often like just shouting into the void because uh we aren't getting outside um of our own silos because of the way in which like our accounts are shadow banned and so while it may look like we have large um you know a, a we're also much more, um, our messages are much more contained. So I think that um, on social media, for example, um, amplifying things that we say, like retweeting or engaging with things. I mean, that sounds like a small thing, but it does um, allow us to reach outside of our own communities. Um, And I think that just, um, you know, not uh, uh, not allowing, um sex workers to be the butt of all like jokes is also like um important you know standing up for sex workers because the fact of the matter is like we often are it's often like uh you know sex work is the one thing that people talk about not wanting their kids to do or you know anything else um so i you know i think standing up for sex workers um amplifying our voices engaging with our with our work and when i say that i mean that sex workers are doing a lot of different kinds of work they're doing writing they're artists they're putting together being the other they're doing lots of different things so engaging with that as well um and not feeling shame about that i think is important and um understanding that uh this is like our uh this is work and it's also like a valuable contribution to our culture which i believe that it is (laughs) um and i I want to jump in a little bit about kinksters and their intersectionality about Mm -hmm. this stuff which is to recognize look even if you're and I don't think there are that many folks who are listening to this who are anti-sex work, right? I'd be mm-hmm. really shocked if that was the case. But I do think that there is a segment of the kink population that feels that it is above sex work um, or, mm-hmm. you know, that that we breathe somehow different rarefied air. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the morals or the ethics or any of that, but I will say that from my perspective, even beyond being a kinkster, just thinking about the ways that these policies and these laws mm-hmm. affect everything, right? So when they make, uh, you know, when a law like SESTA-FOSTA passes, it doesn't just say, well, we're going to only surveil sex workers' right. uh, internet activity. 
it affects everyone, every activity. And, you know, when, when things like operation choke point, well, that means that all transactions have to be monitored mm -hmm. and all people have to be investigated if they have a banking account. Mm -hmm. And so we have to realize that there, that these separations that we have, that many people create in their mind, mm -hmm. they don't really exist. And, yeah. um, and as I said earlier, you know, these separations that many people have about being queer, mm -hmm. um, or being kinky or just non-conformist in whatever way are also also apply here to sex workers. Mm -hmm. this goes back I actually to want to go back and one of the, I want to oh. connect what we were just saying to a comment here from um, AP about uh, the fact that sex workers like pay the price of being labeled high risk businesses in the sense that like the platforms that we work on take huge cuts of uh, the, the money that we make. I think when you say like paying for, porn too. I mean, one of the ways to be an ally is to ask uh, if you are like a customer or you are paying for online interactions is to ask directly, like, how do you want me to um, interact with you? What is the platform that's the best for you? Because, you know, they take varying percentages of our, our money. And also like the platforms that we work on are very like gamified. So there are our reasons to funnel our transactions into one, some and not other ones. And so I think just like understanding that we are very comfortable talking about, um, you know, while talking about money in our culture in general is a little bit taboo, like sex workers are actually like, find it fairly easy to talk about this because we have to negotiate these very like complicated transactions all the time. So um, asking, you know, how, how would you like me to pay for this? What platforms do you want me to use to buy your content? What, uh, what can I do to support you? How do you want me to write uh, something on your PayPal? Anything like that? You know, I think those are all important things as well. Uh, and before we go to the next question, I just want to mention uh, an anecdote that I think is, is, uh, great here in terms of privacy and um, transfer of money, which is, uh, and I don't, I don't know if Jesse, you know about um, Jerry Springer and his career as a politician. Um, but Jerry Springer was a politician. I think he was in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and he was kicked. There was a scandal, and he was kicked out of office um, because he had gone to a sex worker. And this was in the, I guess, the late seventies or early eighties. And he mm -hmm. wrote, he wrote her a check with her name and her I guess a memo. He wrote her a check. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody, somebody found that check and, and then that became a big scandal. So yeah. the financial transactions definitely are, are a, a thing that uh, people should be thinking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was, I was just going to have one more point to something at the top of, um, you know, that yeah, kind of like, Allyship. You hear like some political discussions where you hear the phrase like intensity gap, where maybe there's like something that has broad support, but then the mm -hmm. the anti faction are more intense. You know, yeah. uh, you know. And mm -hmm. I mean, you hear that in something like, and I don't want to like, you know, get into like this particular debate, but you hear that in something of like the gun control or gun rights debate, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. something kind of uh, parallel to uh, this discussion of sex worker protections, and I think maybe mm -hmm. broader kink protections is. It's just something I just came up with the phrase like three minutes ago. I think there's a soapbox gap in that there's people who are like supportive mm -hmm. of sex workers and kink in general and maybe uh, you know, kinky people in general, but they're not, you know, so inclined to just stand up on a soapbox of like, yeah. I support mm -hmm. Jesse mm -hmm. making all this awesome content and doing her thing, you know, mm -hmm. like from their megaphone yeah, yeah. with their mm -hmm. name. And it's kind of like, 
it's it's I, I think like the, the you know to some of what Jesse described in her answer you know just try to find the best ways you can to engage and boost with mm -hmm. you know with maintaining your own privacy but right. do look for those opportunities to find that middle ground I think is kind of the takeaway I'd like to you know contribute to the, to the mm -hmm. conversation you know it's like yeah. don't you know don't put yourself at risk necessarily but but don't like don't just like take your ball and go home at blah blah this is helpful I, I can't mm -hmm. you know say there are ways to do it while yeah. still you know worrying about your own risk profile so yeah, yeah. so Ryan uh, who's our next contestant yes um okay so Okay, another question from AP from the top. What services or processing uh, servers can sex workers or kink-related businesses use to keep your purchases and de deposits private? If, if, if any or no. Um, what is, say that again? Which what? what I, guess, I guess what services, what processing, yeah. you know, what, what payment processors or servers, you know, would be recommended yeah. for you know, this non-vanilla people to, you know, the best yeah. possible chance of maintaining their privacy? Um, I would say that, I don't know, they're also bad. Um, Cash App is a little bit better because you don't have to, they don't have the same real name policies Um, that, you know, like PayPal has real name policies that are really problematic for sex workers. Um, So, um, but that isn't to say that they also don't shut down sex workers accounts. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think that all of them are difficult to use. I think that some of them are worse than other ones. PayPal's worse than other ones. I know that like, um, you know, there are some banks that are harder. I think, um, I, there is not a good answer for this. I, there's just not a good answer and, for it. And then it's one of those things like, I mean, if you like speculate, if you, if you just happen to write an article on this and everybody's like going to be, that's going to like draw the attention that people don't want of like, oh, we're the sex breaker. Yeah. That, and that's the stigma <laughs> we're trying to, we need to collectively overcome. You know, the yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's the, the, the answer is that it's, uh, it's really difficult. It's really difficult yeah. to get payments as a sex worker. Yeah. I'll become, I'll be, I'll be covering some of this uh, on the uh, shopping while kinky episode in July. Um, yeah. it, but I will say it's a challenging problem. I mean, we're going to be focusing mostly on the consumer end, so how to yeah. how to pay for things. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the short answer is, you know, I mean, I'm going to say the short answer. Uh, please still tune in. But, you know, cash, <laughs> cash yeah. is the safest way mm -hmm. of transferring money from one person to another um, without it being traced. Um, Some people are saying crypto, but I don't even I don't really buy that that's the right answer. Um, because, well, in part because I know people who are under federal investigation for using it and having large, you know, deposits in it. But also because I think that um, it, it's like it's volatile. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not I'm not a crypto person, so yeah, don't yeah, like quote yeah. me on this. Yeah. But I know that that's an answer people give, and I'm skeptical of it. <laughs> we we'll talk a little bit about crypto. Uh, crypt, and by crypto, 
in this context, we don't mean cryptography, we mean cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. So we'll be talking about cryptocurrency and their, the different kinds of cryptocurrency in really brief ways uh, in in the upcoming show. And we could, we could even go deeper if people really want. A lot of the challenge here is how much information do you want and how much time yeah. do you have? So, um, but, you know, tune into that and we'll, we'll go into some of this. Okay, uh, this was a quick one. I think, and I think I was I stepped away for a couple minutes. But can we be humans? Asked. Uh, I think the term "gas money" was used earlier. That is that meaning like payment for sex work or you know content or something like that. Was that was that used earlier? I, 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 yeah, I, somebody said it in the chat earlier. Uh, um, oh, 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 yeah, it was, no, a, it was a chat question. I'm it's sorry, not like a euphemism. It, like I, it's I not like a specific that. one. I think that people just uh, like. I advise people to do this just to put like for coffee or for this or for that, um, because you just can't have um, something in memos that say that it's like a sexual transaction. So, um, you know, people could yeah. put gas money or whatever they want. Yeah. Kitty litter. Uh, I don't know. I, anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to give a, uh, a secret shout out to somebody I invited to be here who is uh, writing a blog about some of their kinky lifestyle adventures and is thinking about putting a, uh, you know, out like a tip jar or an Amazon wish list or something. Yes. And so, yeah, that for if she's listening, yeah, make sure you're encouraging people to put not, you know, not related to, you know, any, anything yeah. like, you know, like, you don't want like a memo that says like booty or something, you know, right, loved reading about those adventures, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't put uh, eggplant emoji, peach emoji. Right. Exactly. Uh, don't don't do that for your memo. Right? Yeah. Yes, yes, right. Yes. Save, save that for the DM. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next one. Uh, I want to highlight. This was a more of a common thing question, but uh, Lorenzo is a friend of us in chat, and he he mentions uh, having been in law enforcement. I think he was in law enforcement for thirty five years and in the lifestyle also. Many in law enforcement don't know the difference between kink and sex work and treat it all like a criminal act. So just something to you know, take mm -hmm. away that that education is still very much uh, ongoing, you know, from a law enforcement point of view. Um, okay, next question uh, is from M. I have a separate bank account and use Proton Mail for my online sex work camming mm -hmm. mostly. Do you have any other suggestions or tips for protect? Uh, maybe this is a little bit similar. Protecting privacy and leaving less of a paper trail. Um, I think that those are, those are good things to do. Um, I mean, that's, that's about as, that's the best we can do. I think using, um, VPNs, like, uh, you can use, and ProtonMail has one built in actually. So I think that's one of the good things about ProtonMail. I think they brought that in a little bit later. Um, yeah, is like using that so that your, uh, search history or browsing history isn't so like easily um, tied down. And then also, so you don't have um, uh, your own like IP address isn't connected to different uh, websites and things like that. So that's something that's worth thinking about. Um, but other than that, I think it is good to have everything kind of uh, separated out like that. We we did a we did a whole episode on VPNs and what they do and don't do to mm -hmm. protect you. We also did an entire episode on web browsers <laughs> and which ones and what to do to protect yourself. And we're about to do another episode on web browsing. <laughs> um, so uh, part of it is is uh, you know keep, keep tuning in and listen to the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of communication, you know communication is a really tough one because you know 
I can recommend apps that are going to be great for, you know, let's say me and Ryan or me and you, where I can say, hey, mm -hmm. get this app and we will both use it and it'll be really secure. The challenge right. that, you know, sex workers and, and others face is that you're needing to do public outreach and, mm -hmm. and have people who are in the circle, you know, contact you. Mm -hmm. So it's a different problem, right? So for example, yeah. if I wanted to do encrypted email with you, you, know, you and I could set up encrypted email and mm -hmm. that would be fine. You know, I'd probably call you on the phone and we'd, we'd have a little conversation about how to encrypt our communication. Right. But you can't do that with somebody who's not yet a client right. and have a conversation mm -hmm. about and do a little tech support with them about mm -hmm. how they should be setting up their email so that you can have a conversation um, with them about it. Right, so right. I think that's where the challenge really comes. Yeah, in. yeah, you're right. Because if I have a Proton Mail account and somebody sends it, you know, me something from their Gmail account, you know, like <laughs> there's a uh, we can't protect from every single uh, angle. So I do think that there's there's ways in which, and I, I think, um, you know, who would have been really good to have on this is um, pe the people from Hacking Hustling, which is an organization um, that's working on these sorts of issues uh, for sex workers in particular. And one of the things that I think that uh, Danielle Blunt, who's the, like, uh, one of the organizers of Hacking Hustling said is that a lot of this, like, um, security and uh, data security um, among our community can also be looked at as, like, a form of care for each other and so thinking about how we can use these tools like with one another to keep ourselves safe but to keep other people safe but that kind of requires um a education <laughs> of like entire communities which is, is the work that you're doing but um but yeah i think it's uh it's hard to to do all of that great okay. mm -hmm. uh let me go to the next one Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I can we can we be human? Okay. Yes. I, I don't understand the context of this question, so I might that um, might need more context. Can we be human? You asked why are they under investigation? Do they use it to pay sex workers or for something else illegal? Can you clarify that they? I'm not. I'm not oh, they're referring to something that I said about people that I know. Um, uh, no, gotcha. not for illegal things, just for having like a lot of transactions um, that for large amounts of money. No, it's actually like a, a kink friend of mine who uh, oh. um, who sells things like oh, right. socks I, 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 and stuff. I remember this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. okay. All right. So I think uh, that's through... Uh, my questions, if we'll kind of, you know, the next couple minutes, if anybody has any additional questions, we'll cover them, but otherwise we'll kind of start to wind this down and I'll do some, before uh, we, before we do that, here. Ryan, uh, before we do that, Jesse, are there things you'd like to mention that you're doing things that you'll be on or maybe your book that you want to promote? Um, well, I mean, the best way to follow me is on Twitter. I'm at sapiotextual. And I also have a website that links out to my writing and also to the platforms that I work on. And that's jessiesage.com. And uh, wow, Ryan's doing a good job over here. Um, and 
Yeah. And I mean, the big thing that we're working on right now is the Peep Show magazine. And that has both our podcasts and a bunch of articles written by sex working writers. Um, and we're also looking to expand that into to include art uh, by sex workers as well. So um, and other sorts of projects. So we are working on a very multimedia um, sex worker hub of news and stories from the sex industry. So um, so those are the big things I'm working on. My book is kind of a long-term project that won't come out until next year or at the earliest. <laughs> I'm supposed to, it's due in December. So sometime next year, there will be a book that I wrote and you guys can look out for that. But I would just say my Twitter probably is the space that I keep things up to date. And I can vouch she is a, uh, a fun follow. So uh, yeah, highly, <laughs> highly recommended from, you know, from your, uh, you know, uh, non-vanilla or even vanilla account. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, let's uh, let's all give Veer and Jesse a big uh, round of applause for this uh, wonderful conversation. Um, the other thing I want to add is, and I mentioned this at the uh, teased this at the top before the show is, uh, you know, Jesse mentioned she is a writer and she is getting published in some pretty awesome places, and uh, <laughs> she has one in the uh, recently in the Daily Beast and BuzzFeed maybe a couple months ago. So you know, yeah, yeah, thank you. And and she gets quoted. I've seen her quoted in Rolling Stone before, and you know, like so she. <laughs> all kinds of like awesome citations uh happening so yeah i mean uh follow her on you know twitter all the places you and you'll get links to where she's where she's writing next so um yeah this uh so and i oh wait, let me add one more just really think she was also this is, this is a returning engagement for her she was on she was the lead off guest to our non-monogamy weekend she did a conversation oh, yeah. with, with nookie and there's uh there's that link so if you are a plus member you can check out that conversation if you haven't already or uh, check it out again. So um, yeah, we're and we'll you know continue to look for more more uh, more avenues to bring her back. And also the pre-show, <laughs> I, I voluntold Nookie to uh, appear on her podcast. So you know, yeah, we'll we have to that, do that. Still, we'll get yeah, that going maybe over the summer. So yeah, uh, yeah, check out the, the Peep Show Media. Uh, you know, for yeah, they have lots of cool interviews going on over there. Um, okay, so I'm gonna just wrap us up real quick with uh, a couple. Uh, coming attractions. I think I put in the oh the next episode. I'll put this in one more time. The um the next keeping secrets will be again first Thursday, June third. Um and the part two of uh, the the browser. Uh, get looking at the browsers, and I want everyone who hasn't already to be signing up for our big June weekend. This is where I'll I'll try to we're doing a, a weekend of webinars and panels on topics related to power exchange, dominance, and submission. We'll have yeah, said so well presenters we'll have panels we'll have uh social mixers we'll have like we have we, we can do like a speed dating speed kinking speed connecting you know thing and that where you get like paired up with people for like five minute windows for like a couple hours so we'll have that going on we'll have people in uh kind of like our booth you know vendor area offering like showing their wares or offering like some free coaching and things like that so you know there'll be a full weekend of stuff and like i teased earlier i'll try to get uh I got Jesse to make an appearance and, and visit us for some of that. It'll be the second weekend in June. So um, that's uh, the FetLife link. But the more importantly, the website link will please RSVP there. It's free for the first 500, but you need to register there to get your official kind of ticket to to ride as I keep uh, hammering that uh, Beatles reference into the ground. Um, so that's, that's the big thing coming up. This is the last episode for this week. And... Uh, I'll just put in the general events link. So actually, 
I have to run to. Oh, by the way, do we have any Dungeons and Dragons fan here fans in here? Because we are doing in our social space, we're doing another group is like hosting a game night. So if we have any Dungeons and Dragons fans, we're going to be doing some kind of Dungeons and Dragons thing in our Ooh. air meet space. If anybody <laughs> wants to check that out, I'll put the links in. I actually have to run in like a couple minutes just to like kind of open that room. So I am, you know, I'm 